Welcome back to the Doctor Who Flashcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. And uh, without revealing too much about what's about to happen, let me just say, I'd like to thank Erica Ensign for sitting in for me last week. Thanks, Erica. You're welcome, Jason. I was <laughs> very happy to do it. Whoa, whoa, oh, Erica's here. <laughs> this is uh, uh, this is amazing. You know, well, it's you, like, let, you let me in. I wasn't going to leave. It's like half of Lazy Doctor Who is here. If only we had Stephen Shapansky, your husband, who all, uh, not only hosts uh, Lazy Doctor Who with you, but of course Radio Free Scarrow. That would make it a complete set. <laughs> I was trying to think of the appropriate Captain Jack. Line. You, you, you can get excited now. Uh, <laughs> Looking good. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be talking about fugitive of the Jadoon, which is just some random episode of Doctor Who that happened. Yeah, just yep. the middle of the season. Jadoon romp to sort of take the, uh, you know, any yeah. potential, just to, just to gear down in the middle of the year, just to so, have a nice relaxing time in Gloucester. So those of you who have not seen the episode, like, even more than normal, you should watch the what episode are you doing? before you listen <laughs> yeah. to this. This is meant to be prescribed. I This is a prescription podcast. I prescribed it for use after viewing Mm-hmm. Fugitive of the Judoon. Not before. That is not an authorized method Mm-mm. of no. listening to this podcast. There will no. be some significant side effects if you do it that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. I will say so. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, lots of things happen in this. And I actually wanted Much. to start there. Uh, not not to, Before we d- dive into what happened. Uh, and this maybe we will dive in as as we talk about this. But I wanted to ask about... Is there a difference between a great episode of Doctor Who or anything else and a momentous episode in terms of the, you know, the characters, the plot, the backstory, the canon, whatever. There's a lot of canon sort of in Doctor Who, sort of not, Mm -hmm. but that's fine. We Mm -hmm. can debate that and people do all the time. And I I thought, now, Erica mentioned in our Slack right before we started, she mentioned Utopia, which I was thinking about too, not only because something that happens in Utopia happens again here, um, Mm -hmm. but also in a broader context, like, how do we judge an episode like that or like this in terms of what it means, like what happens in it is momentous versus um, like, does this episode work as an episode? And is there any difference between them? Because like so much happens in this episode that I have to say I was in, I was amazed while watching it. I was blown away. I was like, I cannot believe what I'm seeing. And I did that like three times. Uh-huh. But I wanted to take a step back and at least ask the question like, can it, it can an episode just be that like laying down a whole bunch of like shocking twists and then running away like is that <laughs> is that is that okay is that is that fair because this was a memorable momentous episode um it's going to take some time i think to sink in whether i decide that it's like it was a it was a good episode i think it was but um I don't know. Does this make sense? Like, it's, it feels like it's a different kind of thing that we're even judging this episode by because of all the tricks that happen during the episode. It's almost like if I if I may uh, build off on on that off using a sports analogy. Oh, okay. It's kind of like is this a great sports game or is it just momentous because it's happening in like game seven of the finals or something like that right. you know like are we what like uh, game seven of the finals is like oh it's like 2-1 this is really intense and exciting or if we were to watch the same game in the middle of the season yeah, we yeah. Think, on, a oh, Tuesday, two, on a Tuesday night in Tuesday. July and you'd be, July. that was a pretty good game whatever yeah but but because the stakes are See, raised does that players. actually Sorry make it that. yeah 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 I, we were i was talking, going generic yeah. i was trying i'm thinking of hockey of course because i'm canadian but uh, um <laughs> yeah i think i i think that there, those are two definitely two different things that you can gauge an episode episode on how momentous it is and on whether or not it is good and works as an episode i think for me personally uh i can gauge on whether something is a momentous episode immediately when the episode is finished but when it is super momentous i cannot gauge on how good an episode it is this this quickly after having seen it because i'm too keyed up from the the momentous things that mm-hmm. happened um and also i do think that it's sort of like a it's like a tentpole episode but in a different way that i usually think about what a tentpole episode is like this is clearly important to the the overall span and maybe arc i, I 
I, I'm scared to use that word sometimes on Doctor Who because uh, it's it doesn't always mean what we think it means. No, that's but true. this this definitely has something to do with with where Christian Miller is going with this season. Uh-huh. So it's not like one of your Monster of the Week episodes where you have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and at the end, whatever was going on in the episode was resolved because nothing is resolved at the end of this episode it is completely opened doors actually i will say one thing is resolved and that is some of the character development between the doctor and her fam on the tardis right Um, right but like mm -hmm. the 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 plot of it the big plot is Mm -hmm. kind of waved away and the the importance here is that this is going to come back like this is this is the Mm -hmm. i think russell t davis i mean most showrunners uh of tv in general and i think in doctor who in particular they they use the premiere episode to like lay down their cards and say here is the big mystery and that's not quite what has happened this season where like there was a card laid down in episode one and a couple more cards in episode two and then here we are in episode five and you know three and four might as well have like not even mattered in terms of what what happened, they were completely standalone, essentially. But here in episode five, suddenly, like eight more cards, and also there was like a basket full of like jacks, and there was yeah. some Super Bowls in and there, a and a hat, yeah. and they like all that got thrown in too. And it's like, aha! What, how, what do you think of me now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do I think of you now? I think I think you're pretty <sighs> amazing, Chris Chibnall. For, <laughs> yeah. for yeah, like you know, Utopia. I had I hadn't. There are many episodes between Utopia and this that I have loved a lot, like a lot, lot. But I haven't had that f- overwhelming feeling of, oh, my God, is this happening? Oh, my God, right. is this real? Until yeah. like since then. And I got it twice mm-hmm. in this episode mm-hmm. and almost hurt myself flapping my wrists in the air like <laughs> so much because I, cu- I, ha- I could not contain all the emotion in my body. And I just I had to literally flail and yeah, my left wrist is a little well, sore Because the difference is there's, wow, that was a great story. Like, um, Heaven mm-hmm. Sent yep. is a great story. Yes. Um, but for many different reasons. For many different <laughs> reasons. And it's a classic. And I, I remember watching it and thinking afterwards, this one may go down in history as like a, I think we just saw one of those things that 20 years from now, people are going to be like, that's in the top 10 of all time, right? Like that, that like, it becomes mm-hmm. legendary. This is more like... Oh man, they're going to have to edit all those pages in the wiki. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. uh-huh. that's sort of how I thought. Like it's just like because it's it's pushing a different button. This is not like wow, that was a really momentous or like a really dramatic episode, well executed, had me on the edge of my seat. This is like this is the show, and you know Doctor Who is like this, uh, and so important. It's like this is we talk about the shared love of the show, and it's almost like uh, being in a church, you know, or something where it's like we all have, we, you don't mm-hmm. have to like all the same parts, but we're all part of the big family of being a Doctor Who fan. And then you look at an episode like this and you're like, all of us have to process what happens in this episode because it changes our view of the show in a way mm-hmm. that a regular brilliant episode wouldn't do. Yep. And that was the thing. Like Before this episode started, I would have, actually I did say, uh, that I was very nervous about the sort of the the mumblings that Chris Chibnall had sort of, you know, made in in the form of the previous episodes that the timeless child thing. Right. And I was very worried that they were going to screw around with the doctor's actual history and who the doctor is and who, what Gallifrey is and all, all that kind of stuff based on the master's message that he had left to her. And I was nervous and I was not happy. And mm-hmm. then we had this episode, which did every single thing that I was uh, very afraid that was going to happen. And then some, and I guess it turns out if you do it in a really momentous and cool and exciting way with casting that i'm really really stoked about i guess i don't mind as much i mean there's still there's still time for for me to to be sad yeah, about it still, but right there's now there's still some blank spaces where they could disappoint you when they get yeah. down to the particulars they, right uh-huh. they have to put the toys back in the box at some point here. yeah but for right now i am really excited about it whereas uh that that was not necessarily hmm. a given i could have very had it been done less i think less well less skillfully i could have been pretty angry at the end of this Alyssa and I were both mm-hmm. pretty scared and after episode two where we're like are they really going to monkey mm-hmm. with the doctor's backstory and like oh you're not I mean it, it has echoes I, I would say of this whole thing has echoes of what we always heard of as the Cartmel master plan the idea of like well the doctor yeah. is something more complicated than you think where they were really in the late years of the classic series they were they were trying to 
wring some more mystery out of the or, or actually infuse the doctor with more mystery feeling like we knew everything about the doctor and now that character was a little less mysterious and and that Andrew Cartmel wanted to make him a little more mysterious and and the, the feints in that direction which kind of grew after the show was over in the time when there was nothing uh was like Oh, you know, Except novels. yeah, he's not, yeah. he's not, uh, the, maybe the other and there's looms and there's like a backstory and mm-hmm. was the doctor present in the early days or was that a li- little different version? And then I got, I got some hints of it here. Like uh, at the very least, I think Chris Chibnall a- a- is playing with some of those same like feelings about like the doctor's history here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's no longer the caretaker. Like, you know, it like it, it, it the first season that he did, it was almost like, I'm just going to sort of play safe in between the lines of Arbian established in doctor who. And now like we've come to realize that, uh, no, he's running the show. He's writing the show. He's shaping it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and whatever that means, I mean, this, this is his big thing now. This is the big thing that, uh, that he has yeah, done. Yeah, so much for not to... breaking the toys. <laughs> he broke exactly, all the toys. Right? Oh, he broke so them all. So now, if, if you didn't get the prescription and you're still listening, you have no idea what we're talking about. So <laughs> I want to just explain now, Captain Jack came back and it just changes everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Erica is doing a, a reenactment of her exact reaction I at the time. I just can't help it. I, I did not know he was coming back. I missed if there was a rumor I missed it I had no idea he was coming back I will say that the moment that he came over the loudspeaker talking to Graham I knew it was him like they tried but I was like that's that's John Barrowman that's Captain Jack it's got to be and and Mm -hmm. it and it totally was and that was one of those moments where I'm like aha I see now why this was a can't miss episode and you want to you know because something momentous Captain Jack is going to come back and he does and and we get a bunch of funny things where person who knows the doctor in the past uh, scoops up Graham and thinks Graham's the doctor and gives Graham a big (laughs) kiss and uh, Graham has to explain not the doctor and has to explain uh uh, it's not it's not a he it's a she and he does this great oh this i gotta see kind of thing and then later he scoops <laughs> up uh the other companions ryan and yes so so he but he doesn't get the doctor because yeah. uh, apparently and i had a moment where i thought oh well chris chibnall did run torchwood didn't he so this actually i should have seen this coming yes i should have sure seen did. this coming but mm-hmm. uh i will say this about about how we judge this episode in the future momentousness aside is i think the captain jack stuff's not going to wear very well because it's kind of nonsensical it's like it's very russell t davis in a way where he's like he's sh- it's loud and things are exploding and he's shouting things and he's tapping on a, like a console and uh he imparts secret things in weird ways that are not that must be interpreted he's cryptic and then he he's like gotta go and then he's gone and he's only ever on the one set and i had a moment where i thought if this was all of the weird things that happened in this episode i actually i think would be disappointed not with jack but with how jack pulls characters out and then puts him back well i mean he was it was clearly a setup for him coming back later i'm i'm assuming i assume i I think so i think i would have been okay with that and actually when it when it finished i kind of turned to steven and i was like Wow, like Captain Jack, they they nailed him. Like he, it, it was perfect. That was that was perfectly Captain Jack. And then I, then then I did the thing where I was like, oh, of course, because Chris Chibnall uh, was very uh, influential in season two of Torchwood. So of course he knows how to write Captain mm-hmm. Jack and do it pitch perfect. Um, so I was I was really excited by that. But I did also notice the sort of tonal shift that you get between any of the scenes outside of that stolen ship that he's rolling around that doesn't have a bar, uh, and then and then when you get there. But it didn't bother me because. I know Captain Jack and I know that character and I know Torchwood and so for me like if they would have toned down his Captain Jackedness Mm. it would have felt wrong to me so I'm glad that they did it this way even if it is a little bit whiplashy he had he had to be the classic Captain Jack you know who (laughs) let's face it we haven't seen on TV in like eight years you know and that's if you watch Torchwood Miracle Day which Mm. many people didn't I only watched the first (laughs) couple and then I gave up but yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I, I think the Captain Jackness of was great and funny, and it was recognizably Captain Jack. And um, I did have a, a quibble where he he makes a joke about three companions, and I had a dream about this once, which is funny. But I'm sitting there thinking, 
But what about Boomtown? Do you not remember Boomtown? You gotta count Mickey. He, Mickey Rose and Captain Jack but were three would, companions. Come on, one episode. That's true. But this is three in addition yeah, to Jack. That's true. So that's that, a totally that's different dream, true, Jason. That's true. And then it was. And then what? What happened? Uh, you know, they, he got lost. And then there was Utopia. And there was a whole thing then. And you know, a lot going on. My my complaint is more is more that uh, in terms of the story, it's totally irrelevant, right? Like they are. They are. Mm-hmm. It is like a. It is it's a, a parallel thing from a that, that's for the arc and all of that, but like it has literally nothing to do with what's happening on Earth. Uh, it's he he's mm-hmm. removing well, them I mean, from it, Earth. It it could because we don't know what the, the you know the last Cyberman is, and if could that be connected to this Gallifrey stuff? Could that mm-hmm. be connected to what the mm-hmm. Jadun were doing? It's possible that it will in the end all tie together. And even if it doesn't, I think we that was uh, you know a a seed that's planted for later on whatever grows from it. But B, I think that was a really important moment that led to the last scene in the TARDIS with the TARDIS fam yeah. because you know we had at the beginning sure. of the episode everybody sitting there and watching her. And, you know, she's she's been there for like an hour looking for something that hasn't noticed they've been sitting there for 20 minutes mm-hmm. staring at her because she's so right. focused. Uh, and she's just, you know, all season has not been opening up to them and telling them much about what's going on. And we know she's struggling internally because of Gallifrey. And I think if they hadn't run into the Captain Jack thing and she they hadn't been able to kind of like toss that at her, I'm not sure that she would have completely come around at the end of the episode and leveled with them about like i was i was not even sure she was going to tell him who ruth actually was um so i was mm-hmm. i was happy to right. see that she did it's also important i think for the doctor to ex- to meet ruth and her true identity which we have not yet talked about no right? we got there uh you know on her own that needs to be her story i think and and not have the three companions around there asking right. kind of the dumb questions about everything because basically yeah. the doctor doesn't know anything more than they do and so it's a very important and as as that was sort of building up as they're driving out to the lighthouse in the volkswagen like hmm. i'm beginning to think like this is this is more weighted than i was expecting something's I, happening at the end of this i yeah. figured i i figured that she was a time lord like I just sort of had that feeling and then for sure when I saw her sort of like picturing things I was like okay she's a time lord and I was like is it the Ronnie? I, I totally was one yeah. of those fans. <laughs> yeah, it's, no I was, I was like is it Susan is it the Ronnie? Who's it going to be? Um and the uh the moment that I wrote I wrote it down I was already thinking it but then I wrote it down when we got to the um uh, you got close, to, so close to escaping that you know the faithful companion and they you know cuz they zap Lee Yes. There's that moment where I'm like, companion. That's a loaded word. Oh, Mm. yeah. This is a pocket watch situation here, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it was. So, uh, before we step through that door, I want to I want to talk about that first part of the episode a little bit, just because we meet Ruth. She gives tours in Gluster. Um, uh, Lee is her uh, companion. Husband, uh, she says husband. she's married. Very yeah, cute. but you know, but also companion. It's a loaded word. Yeah. Um, they, uh, he, he, he didn't get her a present. He didn't get her a cake. It's her birthday. So we are like, what's this guy's problem? Um, and then there's a guy in the cafe, Alan, who's uh, kind of super creepy. And yep. just keep yep. saying, you know, you should be with me and not him, and then makes a cake later that says here's you a, can do better. And here's a dossier. <laughs> a dossier. I wanted to know what was in a that dossier. dossier. Yeah. yeah. It did make me laugh. Well, I mean, and it is laying out. So it, reading it as a normal human being, uh, Alan is super inappropriate and creepy. I, I did find it funny in the context of a TV show. Also, he gets to lay down all the questions about why we are suspicious of Lee, because we're about to enter an episode with a plot where the Jun are looking for a fugitive, sort of like... Uh, the 11th hour kind of thing. But here it's a misdirect where it's very obviously Lee is the fugitive. And it turns out, of course, that it's not. It's Ruth who's the fugitive and he's been protecting her, which I thought was a nice twist. I, you know, I, I, I figured it out eventually, but it went a little while where I'm like, oh, look, it's like he's also uh, not, he also doesn't belong. But that's not that's not uh, his role here. And and so I thought that was pretty good, even though all ears Alan uh, gives himself a nickname is yeah. uh is is weird and gross I, and there's a dossier that's funny and i wrote what i wrote down when they disintegrated him was oh no creepy cafe man no <laughs> i mean i still felt bad because i I didn't like seeing any humans get just you know no toasted mm-hmm. by the the jadoon but no, also i felt good. like he pushed 
the Jadoon. Like he literally mm-hmm. yeah, assaulted he an officer, which the, like as weird and creepy as he was, I felt like that was maybe a step too far. That was the only point in the episode where I was pulled out of it a little bit going, really? You just met a like rhino headed alien mm-hmm. that's, you know, chirping at you and you're going to push it? Well, that just felt wrong. He, I think they he, just wanted to disintegrate him yeah, for the plot purposes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And just to show that the Jadoon mean business as well, even though they slaughtered that poor old woman. But I know. Uh, and her knitting. That yeah. like I was I was yeah. aghast at that. Yeah. And then they actually killed her, which of course was worse, but yeah. boy. It, but still the knitting was the knitting. was not good. I, I think I mean uh, the doctor refers to them as trigger happy police, and I, I had a mm-hmm. moment where I thought I, I don't know how you explore this in Doctor Who and whether you really want to get into it, but there is something to be argued that the way you should portray the Jadoon is as right, right as like an out of control police force, whereas they, mm-hmm. they like try to be like, well, they're actually kind of mercenaries and they're kind of not police. But I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if Doctor Who went down that path with the Jadoon and they were like outrageous use of force police mm. and that had to had to be kind of brought back into line but it's you know they're rhinos there's only so much you can do with (laughs) taking them seriously because they are ridiculous i did i did want to point out the they get translated so that we can understand them which is nice because that Mm -hmm. usually they don't sound like humans and i was very impressed with the articulation on the on the mask for yeah. the one Jadoon mask that they made. Yeah, that was know. like the mouth movements matching. It was really good. I don't know if they've uh, improved on that since 2007 uh, when they were last in um, newer, oh, not newer, Smith and Jones. Or perhaps, I mean, these are things maybe they actually um, CG'd some of that as well. Maybe oh, that's like possible. just tweaked it a little bit. Maybe it yeah. looked, it looked really good. Like the, the, the mouth movement, it you know because sometimes with with alien faces when they talk the lips kind of flap but it's more like Muppet you know mm-hmm. mouth <laughs> and this was this was really good like I was I was impressed with the articulation on the on the face of the of the Jadoon we got psychic paper imperial regulator mm-hmm. um, you know they they do a lot of runaround I kept wanting Yaz to be involved in that part of it and eventually she was right which is like yeah. you're in the police you can speak their language um, I, I kind of wanted her to to be brought in a little bit sooner because like it's the perfect she's the perfect foil there yeah because she understands earth police things at least and the, the doctor could use her at least the doctor does turn to her first as you know as something Earth law 12 yeah. investigator blah 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 <laughs> rather than turning to ryan so she's yeah sure she's definitely aiming for the the right person i also like the touch that the uh jadoon commander was a woman yeah yep yep let's that, settle this woman that, to woman is that what the mohawk frill perhaps means that oh, maybe, uh, yeah. maybe they're women uh jadoon style their their hair or, too or have, have hair, hair. yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. i, I want to yep. just look back at the the summer and basically the only promotional uh photo we ever got during the entire making of this series of doctor who was the shot of Jodie Whittaker and Subject Dune uh, yeah. because they knew they were going to be in the streets of Gloucester the next day shooting picture, you yeah. know, with Jadoon and the public would know about it. And, and you know how cynical a lot of fans were, myself included, about the mm-hmm. marketing efforts and like everything, just trying to keep everything else under wraps about the season and thinking, well, nothing much of you know spoilery consequences happened last year because everything was new, so we had nothing to really be right. basing it on. And now I look at it, I'm, and I'm going, okay, maybe that was slightly justified because I <laughs> yep. didn't know anything about any of the mm-hmm. big revelations that we had uh-huh. in this episode. Totally. For sure. We do meet another um, uh, another villain-type person. I didn't write down her name, but Gat? the one who's... Gat. Gat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's she's turns out not the client, but the sort of like representative of the client. And she has that meeting uh, with with Lee, where it's like, oh, I, you you got so close, old friend. Uh, you know, we we had a funeral for you, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all of that kind of thing. Um, you know, and and they've checked out as human, and then this is where we start to it all starts to to go sideways in the episode, and and we get to the big reveal, which is. Um, they're not human. There's something else going on. The doctor can't tell who they are. He gets he gets zapped. Um, Ruth uh, is sent a message by him before he dies that is giving her a little flashes where it's very clear now that she is she is who who is the fugitive and she is not who she appears to be. And then we get you know she we get that moment where she rips off the horn of the Jadoon and does lots yeah. of like kicky fighty things. Yeah. Um and uh. 
then then there you know she's sent off basically with the doctor to go to the lighthouse where she grew up um and and that will take us to this last kind of like mind-blowing part of the of the episode it's on it actually reminded me a little bit i don't know about how much you want to go into uh, the first episode of star trek picard but like you know about how someone sort of like deep programming gets triggered suddenly and and she becomes uh, a master at um personal combat and everything mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, which you know that that makes me think that this, uh, you know, when we discover who she is, she's she's uh, she's more of a uh, Venusian Aikido sort of uh-huh. doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, before we get to the lighthouse, uh, at least a last little bit about about Jack. Jack imparts his message. He says, "You are not alone." Nope, that's not it. Right. He says, "We're the lone Cybermen. They're an empire of evil and ruins." Um, the, there's this whole. Uh, you know the whole thing don't give it the to defeat them the alliance set this thing back through time across space don't give it what it wants at all costs tell the doctor this because i gotta go i can't tell her myself and i'll see you later so we've got uh, i mentioned the cryptic stuff earlier this is you know okay so cybermen are involved in whatever is to come and there's at least a lone cyberman and uh and there's something about like he says at the beginning when we first see him that the future of the universe is at stake so uh you know Regardless of what happens in the rest of this episode, it's very clear that that you know we've got our our st- future story arc right here. Yep. Yeah. In episode five, yeah. not in episode so, one. I think you know we should have learned yeah. our lesson really in the because uh, Stephen Moffat sort of turned that uh, what we drop here in episode one won't come, won't mean anything until episode thirteen, and and now like I don't know where the show's going now. I have no idea. Nope. It's, right. It's so exciting. I don't trust it after this episode. Yeah. Right. Like any uh-huh. episode that seems normal could be not normal. Yes. At yeah. All. Mm-hmm. Or we could just get a monster of the week. Like the 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 brief next time trailer didn't make me think that there was anything massive happening next week. But mm-hmm. then again, who knows? Who knows? I mean, that would be one way to do it, right? Is to have these mm-hmm. all these episodes seem like monster of the week, and then you get toward the end, and it turns mm-hmm. out that it's another brick in the wall of <laughs> whatever they're building for this season. But it's episode five, right? So they've got we're not even quite midway, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got time for them to even take a break here and there and then still bring these things in before we get, you know, rather than just waiting until the last two episodes. Mm. So, Well, we are officially halfway now. Five episodes we? into a 10-episode season. Yeah. Oh, is it yep. a 10-episode yeah, season? Yeah, it is. Season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was 12. No, it's nope. only 10. It's only 10. They only do 10 now. They only mm-hmm. do 10. Well, I mean, considering how <laughs> how lavish these episodes have looked, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, maybe the same budget spread over 10 episodes instead of 12 episodes and they, they look real nice. Yeah. They went to Gloucester for this one. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, I looked on a map. It's, uh, pretty close to Cardiff. So, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I, looked, I looked on the map in this episode when they zoomed in on it. I think, oh, oh, I uh, where Gloucester is. For some reason, I thought it was like to the north a little bit, but guess not nope. yeah. it's uh it's pretty close to cardiff you mm-hmm. just drive there uh nice and nice and close all right um probably several so lighthouses the, on the they way go, yeah. they go to the lighthouse <laughs> uh there the the rule is like seek out the light and break the glass and and uh and there's the graveyard outside and we get that moment where the doctor uh digs in the grave and discovers that it's not just a tardis but it's her tardis yeah. it's the police box top and meanwhile ruth is breaking the glass which which we get the same effect that we've seen before um with both david tennant and with uh, Derek Jacobi mm-hmm. of uh, a chameleon arch that has been set up to hide a Time Lord. But what Time Lord will it be? Well, yeah. I mean, uh-huh. the TARDIS is kind of a dead giveaway, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I was wondering, like, again, is it Susan? Is it the Ronnie? Is it some other Time Lord we don't know? And it's like, or, it, no, it's actually, uh, I guess mm-hmm. she's the Doctor? Yeah, I immediately thought, oh my God, it's a future doctor. And we get to see, because one of the things that I, as mm-hmm. a ridiculous fangirl, have always wanted is to have the next doctor uh, yeah. appear many, many episodes before they actually are, are mm-hmm. on. So you get to see the, you know, basically the reverse of something like the three doctors. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh my God, they did it. They got my wish list. This is, this is the next doctor. And, you know, they're interacting now and they've already cast this awesome other woman to be the next doctor and i was i was just super stoked but no that that may not be uh be what's happening at all also by the way um making the statement last week that jody whittaker is coming back next season a little more understandable (laughs) Mm -hmm. well it was jody whittaker yes is jody whittaker saying that herself in an 
interview with Entertainment Weekly. So it didn't yeah, come but up I, via the BBC itself. But the fact that it, you know... Maybe she was told to leak I, it. I, I, I get know. the feeling that maybe they were worried people were not going to understand what they saw in this episode. So to like just make it clear that she's coming back next year. Right. Uh-huh. I, I wonder about that sometimes, about, about these like, oh, that disclosure suddenly seems... More like uh, timed, yeah. timed better than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they're so tricky. They're so tricky. Yep. Um, and, and so we get it would you know it it was delightful, but I will say it would have been more delightful if they hadn't just done it in Twice Upon a Time that the Doctor mm-hmm. is the companion to another Doctor. Um, so I feel like with the, like they've just played this game with Peter Capaldi. I suppose that's um, true. But, but at least uh, it each still was great. Who, at least they each know who each other is. Mm-hmm. You know, even the first doctor, like it, it takes him a couple seconds to realize, oh, so right. you're my replacement. You know, mm-hmm. uh, whereas you know Capaldi's doctor knows exactly who it is. Whereas right. neither doctor here are like, I don't remember you, and I can't believe that I would become you. So like, they're both complete strangers mm-hmm. to each other's. Yeah, they're, both, at that point. they're both certain that the other one is nuts until they realize. Mm-hmm. Mm, but yep. actually, it turns out not. But we do get that great thing where Jodie Whittaker gets to go into uh, another Doctor's TARDIS and yes. uh, and be to- be told be explained about TARDIS explained. <laughs> TARDIS explained. Yeah. Yeah. I am such a sucker for that. So yeah, like I don't even oh. care how like they could do it again in four episodes, and I would still yeah. be happy again, even to just have them them and them do that one more time. Uh, because you know, as soon as she comes out of the lighthouse and she's wearing like this you know swanky outfit, yeah. I'm just like, yeah. oh my god, oh my god, and then it, I didn't realize at first that Ruth didn't know who Jodie Whittaker's doctor was. Um, but then, you know, once they get in there and the way that she is interacting with Jodie Whittaker's doctor, she's uh, she, it's very clear that she doesn't realize that that right. she's the doctor. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Jodie Whittaker's character recognizes that Ruth is the doctor um, because she's got a TARDIS. <laughs> Yeah. So like, so she's on board. So the 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 unevenness of their understanding until they both sort of come to the same place when they're where they're literally saying the same words at the same time, uh, which was also delightful and probably mm-hmm. took a lot of <laughs> practice to nail that. Uh, yeah, I just I found that whole sequence utterly delightful. Yeah, when you're as baffled as the doctor is about something, you know, because mm-hmm. I find that you know Jodie Whittaker's doctor is you know, perhaps a little too knowledgeable about everything that, that she's experiencing or, you know, she's, oh, that's one of these things and then she goes on to explain it. And so when she's kind of flummoxed and, and perplexed by something, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this this actually feels serious and there's stakes and perhaps she's a little in over her head and she doesn't quite know what's going on. Yeah, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. The So there is a, uh, there's some some confusion about like how could it be i don't remember you you don't remember me which one of us is it and then there's this sort of uh through line that happens that's sort of like well i have seen gallifrey uh destroyed twice and Mm -hmm. so uh if you and then we 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 find out that the client of the jadoon is is uh is the time lords is gallifrey Mm -hmm. and so they're after the doctor for whatever crime you know there's lots or presumably just, it's the just doctor being the doctor yeah um and, and that that it went it was a little fast for me where it's sort of like well i remember a gallifrey being uh, destroyed and it's been destroyed but obviously you are coming from gallifrey so therefore you must be in my past i'm like yeah but gallifrey keeps coming back too so mm-hmm. do and, we yeah is that is that enough and also the police box thing bothers me too because it's like you know did I mean you could you can head cannon at a retcon it like well why does it look like a police box does it only look like a police box to Jodie Whittaker does it only look like a police box in uh in the f- first episode of the show because uh even though we thought it was a chameleon circuit it actually was always like that and it wasn't just broken mm-hmm. because it was in the 60s like I, ha- I have a few of those moments where I think it still feels more like this is the future than the past but um, you know, okay, I'll, I'll do what I'll, I'll do whatever, like, cause that, this is the great mystery. And even if it is the past, then this is the question, which is like, how could it be in the past? Yeah. Where if the doctor has thought all along that, you know, William Hartnell was the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, and also like, you know, Gallifrey exists sort of out of time. I mean, what is right? the past and the future to a time Lord? 
Yeah, that's well, I've always that... had that problem with Gallifrey, yeah. right? which is like, does it like, how can you go? Is there always like just one time in Gallifrey and it moves forward or can you go to different parts of Gallifrey time? Mm, I yeah, I mean, it seems it always seems like whenever the doctor visits Gallifrey, it's been the same amount of time for the doctor as it has mm. for right. whoever is on Gallifrey, which is something that I feel like the show has maybe purposely not played with too much because that gets into some very wonky territory. Even they can't quite wrap their head around how that uh-huh. was supposed to work. Yeah, right. Yeah, time right. Is that there's like confusing. a master time that is Gallifrey time that all the time lords follow the and they always go are, back. Are, yeah. are like basically time locked to yeah. the the correct era of Gallifrey that that they are you know synchronous with. Mm-hmm. Right. So the there's TARDIS. no nonsense of going back into the past of Gallifrey because that would be that would be mm-hmm. weird. Or, you know, maybe that's one of those things that should never happen because it's against the laws of time. But we're going to see it later in the season because plot. Yeah, maybe so. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you leave Gallifrey, even if uh, as a Time Lord, you can only get back to Gallifrey at the right time. If you're out in the universe, you can still, you know, you're still going to cross r- paths uh-huh. with you at other points in time. So maybe that's the... That's the idea here. Um, I'm going to bring up the Ma- Brain of Morbius now. Here we go. Yep. That, that's a, like Utopia already mentioned it. Brain of Morbius. Got to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, in that for those who don't know, like classic episode, and there's a battle of wits between the Doctor and another Time Lord, and a bunch of faces show up on a screen or in a hologram or whatever, and it's and it's like always been. It was intended by the producers the suggestion that there were other the Doctor had had other lives before William Hartnell that we didn't even know about, and that was left there and kind of never really addressed again. And lots of lore has built up since then, suggesting that that's not really true. Mm-hmm. Don't don't think about it too much. And there was but never I look any- at this, and I think. Ah. There, and yeah. there wasn't anything on screen like stated that made it absolutely clear and canonical that those were all the doctors no faces. i think fandom has sort of like sort of looked back oh that was just the doctor tricking them uh, morbius into thinking that he mm-hmm. was winning by saying oh uh here are my old uh older selves but really they're actually your older selves and you're the yeah. one who's mm-hmm. losing this little mind battle and that's why morbius ends mm-hmm. up because uh, morbius was also a time lord and also a time lord yeah. yes yeah, that that's how fandom has explained it to themselves yeah. Yeah. over the years. Yeah. So, Headcanon. But I feel like now we have that moment where we're like, or maybe not. And then the the thing, we we saw a couple of mind wipes earlier this season, and there was some controversy about that. We talked about, like, is it good mm-hmm. if somebody doesn't consent to a mind wipe and you still have to do it because of time travel and stuff like that? And I I, I look at this and I think, okay, is that part of why the mind wipes are in this season? Is mm-hmm. the suggestion that maybe the doctor doesn't remember her own history and that there's something that happened? This is, and if I had to make a guess, this would be my guess something that happened before the first doctor that is like the wall behind which the doctor can't look where other things happened. And that, that this doctor, Joe Martin, playing the doctor here, is from that behind the wall mm-hmm. where that the, the doctor has lived the last few thousand years not being aware that it even was there because obviously like Clara <laughs> went through and saw all of, <laughs> all of the television doctors too and didn't see Joe Martin so mm-hmm. um you know but if there's a brick wall there and it's like well before this you were somebody else or you were that you were still the doctor but we had to do something and now you know we had to erase uh, everything that came before. I don't know. What do you What do you both well, think about where they might go with this? Then you run into the what you said earlier. Why is the TARDIS a you know a police box? Sixties uh, police box. Yeah. Right? Like, what is the rationale for that? And I'm sure they could come up with something. But it's mm. also possible that this is just the Doctor had a bunch of lives sandwiched in between somewhere. I mean, if we mm. want to get really deep into some fandom <laughs> rabbit hole theories, you can look at the end of the second Doctor's run where sure. you have season uh, 6B yep. uh, in which you know, they theorized and then made it canonical in the books that the Doctor actually, in, he didn't immediately get uh, sent to Earth and turned into John Pertwee. He worked for the CIA, the Celestial Intervention yes. Agency for a while, working for the Time Lords. Um, I'd say also strongly suggested by the color of the Doctor's hair in the two Doctors. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's gray at that point. Yes. Yeah. And there's there's like a line or two in uh, in the five or 
is it in the two doctors or is it in the five doctors? Um, there's uh, something in there makes it sound oh, yeah. like yeah. yeah. Patrick Stratton says something in the mm-hmm. five doctors. I think that wouldn't make sense if yep. he mm-hmm. yeah. The, yeah the two doctors we we dropped uh, Victoria off to stutter, study graphology, graphology. for some Yeah, mm-hmm. like that right. was the thing. Yeah. So so there's there's that stuff. So you know it is entirely possible since we never actually saw uh, Patrick Stratton regenerate into John Pertwee that there could have been a whole boatload of extra faces and lives in the middle there <laughs> where you would have had a TARDIS that was right. a 1960s police box um, and it and then you know, maybe the, the maybe CIA, the CIA yeah mm. the CIA if any if any uh, agency in the universe is going to be able to do very uh, very selective mind wipes on a uh, Time Lord mm-hmm. it's going to be the CIA especially especially to a Time Lord who is about to uh, like be put into exile as punishment yes like why right. wouldn't you um you know sort of wipe the minds of like all the dirty work that we've had this doctor do now mm-hmm. over the course of millennia perhaps like we don't need the, the, the doctor to know what we had him or her do so let's just mm-hmm. wipe the mind as we intended put him put him on earth for a little bit and as if nothing ever happened and in fact it's odd actually that john perry's doctor boy we are getting really in the conspiracy weeds here mm. uh in the early uh, episodes that you've already seen sometimes you know i you know i'm if i were a scientist let me tell you i have been a sci- scientist for several thousand several years, thousand years. And he sort of stops That's himself right. in the mind of evil and thinking, wait a second, his his age was established at 750 when he was Tom Baker. So maybe there's th- some knowledge sort of leaking through that, yes, he's actually Ooh. been a doctor, uh, Time mm. Lord, around for like thousands of years. So Chibnall is taking that line from the mind of evil. <laughs> and that is that is where he has possibly built <laughs> the Joe Martin doctor. I'm OK with this. You know, it- it's it's right and, and regardless of what the solution is because presumably there's a solution here and it's either a mind wipe or or she is actually from the future or it's a parallel universe doctor which is something that we didn't even discuss because mm-hmm. there's this question that's never really been dealt with about whether the time lords are the time lords in one one you know one universe or all universes is there like a single set of time lords or are there parallel time lords there's like you know there's lots lots of other things like that presumably we'll get some resolution to this at some point whether it's past or future or parallel or or something else but um it is pretty great and it's in the credits you know joe martin as As the doctor doctor. and not and and not since john hurt i mean this is a pretty momentous thing because like john hurt or actually that little glimpse of peter capaldi i suppose Mm -hmm. um that this is like the show is saying and i don't think it's a fake out it could be but it seems unlikely that no this is the doctor you don't know where she's from we don't know what the story is, but Joe Martin is the doctor. She's got a TARDIS. It's, you know, she's got her outfit. <laughs> she mm-hmm. is from somewhere, past, present, future, parallel, whatever. She's the doctor. And and that's just, that. that's great. I, I admit this is playing with the the toy box of Doctor Who, and it's going to take fans and make, make people like us really excited about it. But it is pretty, pretty daring to do something like that i was worried a little bit at first because yeah she's got the big laser rifle and she's mm-hmm. carrying it around like she knows how to use it which you know it's fine the doctor has carried plenty of guns in the past but sure. i was worried that she was seeming too uh you know excited about using it yeah. uh and then but then i kind of thought okay so she's handed it over the moment that she hands it over i'm thinking okay she's probably booby trapped it somehow and then that turns out to be the case and i was like okay well you know little callous but that's a totally doctor move to Uh let somebody destroy themselves and then but the moment that i was very very relieved by is when she's uh when joe martin's threatening everybody with it and jody whitaker says uh you know the doctor you know the doctor never uses guns whatever which i I still think is dumb but the fact that she says it uh and that uh joe martin says i know shut up makes me think okay so she really is that's the doctor really the doctor that we know she's just Mm -hmm. bluffing which is also a very doctory thing to do although Mm -hmm. the picking up the gun is literally the first thing she does once she breaks the glass like that's yeah Yeah. that's what kind of like like our doctor wouldn't do that nope you know no matter who he or she is over the millennia that she's been around um like the first thing she wouldn't do is is grab the gun and so that made me kind of initially skeptical Mm -hmm. so yeah and i mean if this is a doctor who has been working for the time lords you know doing dirty work or whatever and talking about a job that you can't leave believe me i've tried that you know that definitely sounds like that definitely sounds like the time lords you know she's Mm. been trying to get away so you know if that's the mind like the headspace that she's in because of the the type of work that she was doing before she ran away to this lighthouse uh, picking up the gun 
down first thing makes sense because she knows what where she's going to be and what she's going to get into. Right. So I was I was kind of I was kind of okay with it. And it did feel different, but I felt like it felt different for a good enough reason, probably for me. I love these conspiracy theories. I, I, it's great. <laughs> I, I also love, I mean, it, it is, she has some doctory moments. I also like the moment where she's told essentially her, her, you know, companion, uh, don't say anything because uh, <laughs> I'm going to handle this. These are the people who are looking for me that they're not looking for you. And that Jodie Whittaker is like, yeah, I'm going to give him the curveball. It's yep. me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, I loved that moment. That was so good. Like, it that was, is a, it was the, as good doctoring as the doctor. Yeah. Any moment in the three doctors, like doctors, you know, when doctors get together, they should not get along no. very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love the fact that they were bickering about each other's clothes, you know, that shirt and those pants that don't go all the way down. Yeah. And yep. that was that was wonderful. And then that was another great moment being like, nope, you don't get to tell me what to do because I'm the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this episode ends, uh, as we mentioned earlier in the in the TARDIS with the the, the groups back together. And, um, you know, it starts with them staring at her and her like not wanting to talk about what's going on. And here she says, you know, I go home. I don't want to talk about it. I need to do it. Just just me. And then they're like, well, we care. We care about you. We want to know what's going on. And she snaps and says, Ryan, you don't know me. Not even a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it's it's such a great moment because they she's pushing them away and they refuse and they say, don't talk like that. We know you, we know who you are, which is not the same as I don't, you know, you don't know who I've been. You don't know my story. You don't know my history. They're like, we know who you are right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so that, that was a, that was a wonderful moment. Like not your past, not your future. We know who you are. We can look into your heart right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's a, it's, that's a, a very nice family moment at the end of this momentous episode. I thought, Yeah, I feel like that's one of the things that makes me feel like it actually is a good episode in addition to being a momentous episode because, you know, Stephen's right. They had to, you know, sort of separate the companions from her. So we get a lot of, you know, some fun stuff in between the companions themselves and Mm -hmm. then also with uh, with Captain Jack. And then at the end, when it does all come together, like that's the part of the story that really does have the beginning, the middle and the end. We get them standing together as a trio. And like you said, just refusing to to take it to refusing to be pushed away. And the way that they do it is like they're doing it as a cohesive unit and standing up for each other. So it's when she says that to Ryan, you know, Yaz says, "Uh uh-uh. Uh oh, we're not having that. Like she's she's defending Ryan as they are all giving their little speeches about about how they feel about her as a person. And you're right, they know her as she is now. And you know, you, I love the idea that you shouldn't be defined entirely by your past. And I think that especially you know now knowing that we may have an extra doctor in the past, maybe mm-hmm. uh, that that becomes even more important because there there might be stuff going on in her past that she doesn't even know. And right. so that really, really doesn't matter to who she is as a person at this moment. And, and they're lying to you, the timeless child, right? The message of the master is yeah, clearly right. involved in this same thing. This is all part of that. Like, and when he found out he destroyed Gallifrey, which whatever I, you know, okay, I, I'll believe it when I believe it um, yeah, right. because it's the master and master says lots of things. But uh, but this is all tied up together with only and we're halfway through now. I'm even more disappointed. Ten <laughs> episodes. So we're halfway through. So this is the this is the Moffat midseason twist. Yeah, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I will have to say that actually one of my, you know, as everyone is like, oh, is it Susan? Is it the Ronnie? Mm-hmm. For a split second, <laughs> it's never I thought, Susan. Is it the master? I I had that thought too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, is me it too. A different or other version of the master? Perhaps. Yeah, and so I was there's that moment where the doctor does a little scan and is like same person, and I thought, mm-hmm. well, okay, okay, that's that's yeah. good because I was gonna start going down the path of this is the master who thinks yeah she's mm-hmm. the doctor, and that that's why the mm-hmm. doctor needs to see the police box buried in the grave, right, right. and not just random TARDIS mm-hmm. time right. capsule. Right. Although you know? I thought I thought she was the master when I thought that the lighthouse was a TARDIS. I thought that I I still thought that she maybe she was the master even after we had seen the TARDIS for a second just because the master would know the TARDIS well enough yep. to be able sure. to you know disguise it that way. So when she's walking out and like uh, uh, Joe Martin is dressed you know just you know three piece suit kind of like with a with a co- color underneath uh, mm-hmm. it just was I don't know it it's 
it felt a little bit Roger Delgado to me, just a tiny, mm, tiny right. bit. So that's why I was sort of thinking, oh, my God, we only got Sasha Dewan for two episodes and now he's gone. And it's it's this other actor, which, who you know, would still have been exciting. But I was kind of relieved afterwards because I was like, OK, maybe the Sasha Dewan master right. is still going to come back sometime. Yeah. And Captain Jack is back, I guess. That's yeah, the thing that, honestly, like of all of these things that I am so excited about, that is the one that just I am the most flaily about. I am, I, and I would not have expected that. I, no. I enjoy Captain Jack as a character very much. I love John Barrowman as a person. Uh, seeing him on stage multiple times and, and how much he loves Doctor Who is, mm-hmm. is a delightful yeah. thing. Uh, and I guess maybe more of that seeped into my fangirl soul that I realized mm-hmm. because yeah, as soon as you know, you hear his voice, uh, I, I whipped my head around and looked at Steven and then whipped my head around and looked back <laughs> at the TV and he didn't move. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know if you noticed anything. So I just like, I threw my hands in front of my mouth right. to keep myself from screaming and was just that. And that was when I started flailing completely. So I think about all of the things that happened in this episode and I am delighted by all of them, except for that one creepy guy pushing the Jadoon. That's right. my only problem. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, always one guy there's yeah. always one overconfident white male there to think he, can, <laughs> he knows best uh, but but it's the it's the captain jack coming back and like you know the line you can get excited now yeah. i i that was when i started flailing my hands in the air because i was like i am excited i am yeah that is exactly how i feel and he turns around and you know flings his arms wide open and i was just like i just it looked like he was trying to hug us as the uh, audience and yeah. i was like yes yes hug me yeah, mm-hmm. and we get teased, and he'll be back. You know, he might have been getting eaten by uh, nanobots or nanogenes uh, mm-hmm. at the end of that episode. But as we know, he's he'll come back. He'll, he's immortal. He'll come back in exactly yeah. the same form. So he'll be back. Yeah. That was yeah. a good tip of the cap to uh, the the doctor dances and right yeah. the nanogenes is where mm-hmm. we first mm-hmm. yep first uh, first saw that um, and him. Uh, yeah, so. A lot more, I'm sure, that you'll be talking about on your own various podcasts. <laughs> There's just a little bit to talk about here. But um, I, I want to end with another kind of big question, which is um, to do a... I don't know if it's the only way to do a successful series of Doctor Who, but like clearly Chris Chibnall has decided last year it was all about a reset and kind of back to basics. And this year, it's not. This year, no. it's oh, we're going to dig deep and make you question everything you ever knew about the Doctor. Um, and and is that is that kind of necessary these days? Do, do you have to have a, a story arc and play with canon and all of that? Is it because it seems like Chris Chibnall tried that last year and everybody was like, okay, all right. And then this year, we're all like, oh, look at all the the Master, and now there's the Captain Jack, and we're 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 playing with the canon again. Um, and part of me wants to say it's a shame that that it feels like you've got to dig into the canon and redefine it in order to have a successful show. And part of me says, uh, well, what's the point of having such a great stock of stuff in the history of the show if you leave it all on the shelf? What do you, what do you mm-hmm. think? Is it like, I mean, because we're all kind of gleeful here. Um, mm-hmm. Is it good? Is it a good move on on Chris Chibnall's part to do this? Because it, it definitely feels like a shift in direction for his philosophy of what to do for Doctor Who. It does, and I don't know where, like, when he had this in mind. Did he have a long game in mind? We're going to play it safe in my first year, but then we'll come back the next year and just wow them. Or was this in reaction to the previous year of sort of playing it safe story-wise and sort of playing around at the canon? It, you know, it's an, it's an easy way to sort of get a reaction out of fans and viewers alike by focusing on something that they already know and so there's you know there's an once you see something you immediately know what's happening and go oh my god this is actually monumental if if you see tim shaw come back at the end of episode (laughs) tim shaw is back (gasps) yeah we've barely met him Mm -hmm. i don't there's no emotional resonance for me right now why i should care if you didn't like him in the in the first episode well you're probably not gonna be that surprised or that excited to see him back in episode 10 but you know there's a lot of people who like Captain Jack and have been sort of clamoring for years for him to come back. And so it wouldn't be great if he met Jody and, and sometimes we don't even get that. I love that. We don't even get that, that meeting <laughs> yeah. in this episode. Um, um, so yeah, I, I think in order to sort of just provoke the, you know, the, the public conversation a little more, it's, it's good to have things that are from the past come back, but in an entirely new light. Mm-hmm. I, 
I think that that's part of why we still have the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, Doctor Who has reinvented itself so many times. That's that's why when we say Doctor Who canon, well, sort of, we we have to we have to clarify it that way because Doctor Who doesn't really have a, a hard and fast canon because we keep changing it. So I mean, you know, originally the Doctor didn't regenerate and then that was a thing that happened and we had the second doctor and then uh, the doctor traveled all over the the universe and then was just nope just just on earth and then you know and it just keeps on changing and i think that yeah you have a a good you know a few years a few seasons of you know daily grind type episodes monster of the week you know and some of that is is linked together and some of that's really interesting and a lot of it's really fun but i think one of the things that really gets audiences sort of you know back on board if they had had sort of started to slip away is when you start to take those deeper dives and play with that canon because yeah uh i feel like it, it correct me if i'm wrong but the ratings were not super great at the end of the hartnell era no and uh or the troughton especially yeah but getting troughton in bumped them back up mm-hmm. and then at the end of the troughtonal er- troughton area the ratings were real bad yeah. and uh, you know, changing the entire way that the show is made and suddenly it's all just on earth, you know, it saved the show again mm-hmm. and, and, you know, brought a bunch of people back. So you had these, you know, these downs and ups and uh, you know, it's, it's possible that had things not been quite so dire in the eighties in terms of who is in charge of the BBC and what they thought of Dr. Who it's entirely possible that the quote unquote Cartmel master plan could have brought enough people back in because they're messing with the canon and oh we need to see what's going on what what are they doing with it and right. I would have been really mad and probably jumped off board but but a lot of people wouldn't have so I think it, it is something that every few years we need to shake things up because Doctor Who is a show that is fundamentally about change well fundamentally as of like the second doctor <laughs> it's about change and adjustment so I don't think it's I don't think it's Doctor Who if you have too many of the uh, status quo play it safe seasons in a row. So here's how it's different from the Cartmel Master Plan is the Cartmel Master Plan was to say the Doctor isn't who you think he is. The Doctor is kind of a god of the Time Lords and um, that's not what this episode does, right? This episode, Mm -hmm. when we finally meet the Doctor as played by Joe Martin, Mm Mm-hmm. It's the doctor, right? Like that. The, it's the yeah. those are the those are the moments of delight. It is the it is the shut up. I no, of course I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to shoot them kind of thing, right? It, it is it, the explanations of how the TARDIS works on the inside, and uh, when when she doesn't know that Jodie Whittaker is also the doctor. Like the show takes many moments to say no, this is the doctor. Like you can see in her behavior, this is the doctor, and that's the in a way that's the opposite of the Cartmel master plan, which was to turn the doctor into something else and say, you know, the doctor didn't used to be like this. This is like, whether this is the doctor in the past or the future, if, if this is the doctor, um, then the doctor remains the doctor, uh, you know, in that span of time, whether it's from then to now or from now to then it's the doctor. And I I, th- I find that comforting. It's fun, but it's also comforting because it's saying this person is who you think they are, not mm-hmm. this person's not who you think they are. Like her past may be mysterious. There may be something weird that we don't understand about her, but the character is who they have always been. And I like that. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. Yeah. I just love it. I still think it's the master. <laughs> Do you still think it's okay. a master? Yeah. yeah. I think I'm I think I'm hanging my hat. I think oh, this okay. conversation has led me you to believe that, that yeah. It's, it's, this it's, is all a setup and it's the the that that was always a rumor that never paid off over several years, which is they were gonna do a thing where it was gonna be revealed that the that the master thought that they were the doctor or the doctor thought they were the mm. master and that mm-hmm. there was going to be a reveal like that it turns out that David Tennant is the master and John Sim is the doctor or whatever and they've all <laughs> no. just gotten confused but um, you know it could be but it would have to be like a setup then right because with the mm-hmm. police box and everything they would it would actually need to have been some kind of a setup and could be. you know having a fellow time lord because we did have another time lord Gat is a time lord mm-hmm. uh, well, from Gallifrey is Gat is okay so the Gallifreyan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Gallifreyan. Mm-hmm. You're, well, she did say you're from home. Yeah. So yeah. She, she didn't say Time Lord or Time Lady. So I, I think there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a, a fudge there, potentially. Could be. Mm-hmm. Like all the others, like was, you know, Runcible, a, a Time Lord, was uh, Damon from Ark of Infinity, an actual Time Lord. I mean, mm-hmm. now we... Rodan. Like, what Rodan? What makes a Time Lord? Is it the ability yeah. to regenerate? Are, those, is are, it, are, are all those people out in the barn... 
Yeah. Time Lords. The Gallifreyans. The, the Shabogans. Yeah, they're yeah. just Shabogans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Deep dive. Yeah, deep dive. That's, yeah, I, this hey, is, I named one of my kind of episode. I named yeah. one of my uh, total party kill characters pressed a Shabogan mm-hmm. for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a, a lot of conspiracy theories to be floated here, and it could be, it could just be a put on and a, and a realization. But if it is a put on, then I will say that whoever this character is, uh, she thinks she's the doctor. Mm-hmm. She's acting like the doctor, and she's she's acting like the doctor, and she's acting like the Gallifrey that she came from was intact. Which is right. you know that's the fundamental mm-hmm. difference between these two doctors is that you know they they must be from two different times. This is the way that the show is sort of has laid it out for us. Yeah. They must be from two different times because uh, because Jody's doctor has seen Gallifrey in ashes, and, yeah. and Joe's doctor <laughs> Joe mm-hmm. Jody mm-hmm. Um, has you know came from there and it was perfectly intact as did gat theoretically yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's actually i mean i didn't love the twist with the master saying oh by the way i was really angry and i went to gallifrey and i blew yeah. it up mm-hmm. and, now it's, and now i i see now actually in hindsight it's like oh i see why you did that like you mm-hmm. did that so that we could have this moment where there's a realization but it's like hmm, it still feels kind of cheap kind of yeah. sudden kind of not motivated maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't even true maybe Maybe it's just the master found Gallifrey in ruins mm-hmm. and decided to take credit for it just to get under the doctor's skin. And we're going to find out later that somebody else, some other entity or force d- turned Gallifrey into ash. You know, maybe that's what the timeless child did. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Be where the lone, the lone Cyberman did. Yeah. Oh, lone Cyberman. That's right. I keep forgetting. No. There's also a Cyberman. <laughs> I did like that moment in the TARDIS or no, not in the TARDIS when they're talking to Captain Jack and he's at the last lone Cyberman and they have these blank looks and he's like, you, you don't even you don't know what a Cyberman yeah, is met them yet. yet. Yeah. And he says yet because yeah. he just assumes anybody that's traveling yeah. with the doctor long enough will meet the yeah, Cyberman. How does he know about the Lone Cyberman? Like why are all the time? It's, it's, oh, there's so many questions. So mm-hmm. many questions. Which so I love. many questions. Yeah. Yep. I know you love Saranga yep. Conundrum, but at this time last year, we didn't have this many questions about the future of the show. That's true. After the Saranga Conundrum aired, which was episode five of series 11. That's so. true. But I will say episode five of series 11 was my favorite yes. of series 11. Saranga Conundrum was my number one. And it's quite possible that that this is going to be my number one favorite of the mm. uh, of the season because I'm just such a sucker for reveals like right. this. Sure. Uh, that even though there might be you know episodes that, like you said at the very beginning of the podcast, uh, Jason, there might be episodes that are sort of more like better, well constructed episodes of television with the beginning, the middle, the end that actually tell a, a complete story. Uh, I don't think that even if there are some really good ones of those in the last half of the season i don't think they're ever going to reach the heights that this one did for me emotionally yeah it seems unlikely yeah yeah this is this is the i have actually liked this season better as as it's gone on but Mm -hmm. um this is the first one that i would say i kind of unreservedly loved uh so i I hope there's more like it Mm -hmm. to come I do too. How could there I, be? There's a little bit. There's a little bit of me though that that does want it to go back to just the monster of the week episode next week. Like I would right. be, I would be good with that to have to like just a little bit of a lull because it was I, at the end in that conversation. Um, I think it was Graham who was saying, you know, whether you want to go and you know chase this trouble down and figure out what's what's happening, or if you want to just sit back here and wait for it to find you, whatever you choose, we are with you and we're going to do it. And then she gets some possible unrelated you know three continent alarm warning mm-hmm. in the TARDIS and she's like you know should we just go take a look and her pals are just like yeah let's go take a look so I read that as her deciding I just want to kill some time right now I don't want to dive into this deep momentous stuff I need to do something that's going to be fun and distracting which is for the doctor of course fun and distracting means trying to head off catastrophe on uh-huh. three continents yep. at once so you know she's like let's go and then she pulls down the the lever as as the very end with this you know sort of smile on her face and to me that smile was it reminded me of at the end of a ghost monument was it or no? It was uh, arachnids in the UK where yes. everybody decides to come in and they're you know pulling down the the lever to go on an adventure together, right. and it's that sweet moment. And here she's the one that's pulling it by herself, but I feel like the echo is still perfect because she she may be the one that's actually physically pulling it, but she just got this deep affirmation of 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 familiness of familialness from these people so she's she's pulling it down with a smile on her face and that smile says yeah we're gonna go off on an adventure Mm -hmm. but we're gonna go off on it together all knowing 
exactly, you know, sort of what we're headed for and what we're headed away from. And yeah. I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Steven just gave me a thumbs up. Thumbs up. <laughs> Felt like that. I, I got a little lazy Doctor Who vibe there. All right. Well, <laughs> um, Steven, much more to come on this week's episode of Radio Free Scarrow. Mm-hmm. probably this has been a nice green room chat for Thank that you. episode yes. recording just, uh, this is our first thoughts i mean again <laughs> the, the whole premise of this flashcast is it's really off the top of the head right after viewing yeah mm-hmm. yeah Thanks. i uh i'll watch it again I'll, I'll watch it again with um on here on ctv Sci- sci-fi but i'll also be keeping an eye on what bbc america is tweeting out and what fans are retweeting because i i was i turned my phone off when i watched doctor who i turn off all notifications but when captain jack came on i wanted to go over to the phone right away to see what twitter was saying so i'm going to reserve that to see what uh, bbc america will be saying when um mm-hmm. It's a it's a good it thing out. you didn't because you yeah. might have Couldn't seen a, a, yeah. a series of of just explosions on the internet. Yep. I think. Yeah, totally, which will be exciting to see. Mm-hmm. And Erica, are you uh, has it worked out? Are you on Verity this week or not? I don't actually know. Okay, um, De- Deb was supposed to be out of town, so I was supposed to be moderating this week's, but uh, she's shifted her vacation time. So I told her, "Hey, if you want this one back, you can you can have it." And I told her that like yesterday before I had seen right. and seen the episode, and she has not yet responded. I suspect when she sees the episode, she's going to be like, "Uh, yeah, I've got things to say about uh-huh. it," which is totally fine. Um, uh, but if I do end up having to be on Verity, I I will be the moderator which you know i won't have quite as much flail time because i will i will leave that now that i've gotten it out of my system <laughs> i can right. leave that space for my co-hosts to do erica what they i suspect need. you still have some of it in your system <laughs> but there's It'll less there. of it now yeah there's, there's a little somewhere. less all right well there will still be a great conversation on verity as well whether erica is a part of it or not so people should check both of those podcasts sure. out and of course lazy doctor who we're going to get to this story eventually. Very someday. eventually. But oh, we have episode four of The Claws of Axos to get to next. So really, yeah. that's just as exciting. <laughs> uh, you've been uh, you've been been uh, moving ahead with the lazy Doctor Who lately, which yeah, is nice to see. It's been slightly less lazy. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. It, it happens. That's actually part of the beauty of it, right? Is that then it gets less lazy for a while and people are like, oh, wow. And then it gets more lazy for a while. And, mm-hmm. that, like, and oh, then we get tweets right. from people being like, are you ever coming back? Yeah. <laughs> like, look, yeah. look at what we've done in the past. We and then there's a holiday there's a national mm-hmm. holiday and there's five episodes <laughs> yep <laughs> you never know you it's never just know. that's that's uh, you always keep us guessing all right and uh, i will be back next week with who knows who another fabulous guest it's also super bowl sunday next week oh that's counter right. programming <laughs> yeah i don't know but i want to watch the super bowl steven oh. that's the oh. thing <laughs> So we'll see. I don't know what's going to happen there. It's a national holiday here, but not in the UK, so they don't care. And it's not as much fun to watch it in Canada because we don't even get the same commercials. So, Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's a shame. Well, we'll figure something out. Um, The the, uh, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami is not bigger on the inside. So (laughs) figure something out. All right. uh, But thank you to everybody out there for listening to this episode of the Doctor Who Podcast. Thank you to Stephen and Eric. We will see you next week. Thank you.